Fantasy Baseball Today, presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great variety of beverages later on in the podcast. Frank Stample joined, as always, by Scott White on our final Kokomo Friday of the season. So you know what that means. I had to jam-pack the rundown, baby. An hour and 15 minutes, here we oh, come. <laughs> come on, Frank. I don't know if we're actually going to go that far. Hopefully not, but uh, we will talk about some strong finishes. Got some prospect awards that I want to talk about. There was a great article written by our own RJ Anderson on the MLB side of the CBS Sports website. And I've got some sleeper hitters and pitchers for the weekend. Scott did not have anything to do with this. I put on my Scott White hat and I looked at the best matchups and I figured out which hitters I want to pick up if you are streaming in a daily lineup league for the final weekend of the year. With that, Scotty, congrats and on the Atlanta Braves clinching the National League East and making it to the postseason. How you feeling? They clenched. Yes. Just like I'm doing with my fists. Ah, yar. Clenched four straight to... Uh, yeah, division titles, four straight division titles for the Braves. Uh, they're going to do so with fewer than ninety wins this year. So you know, you know, whatever. Uh, their their run differential is by far the best in the division and is up there with some of the other playoff teams. And I mean, you look at the way their personnel stacks up. They got a a top three of Charlie Morton, Max Fried, and Ian Anderson. That's pretty good. Pretty good. They have a, Deep lineup with a lot of power. And, uh, you know, the the bullpen's been pretty good. Will Smith, the closer, has been kind of shaky. But, um, you know, actually, you look at the numbers over the course of September. The, the numbers actually come out good. It just seems like he's had a lot of close calls with blown saves and a couple of blown saves and whatever. The point is, <laughs> they have a chance to be competitive. They have a chance to get past the Brewers. In uh, in round one, who of course have a great top three themselves, but I would definitely give the Braves lineup the edge. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think it's a testament to the Braves, Scott. They went through a lot this year. They lost Ronald Acuna. Obviously, everything that happened with Marcelo Zuna. They go out and make a few trades. At the time, we didn't really know what they were going to get from the pieces that they uh, got back in Jorge Soler and Eddie Rosario. And these guys have played very well. And you know... As of now, the time we are recording this podcast, the Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers have the exact same run differential in baseball, plus 129. So it could be a nice little first round matchup there in the MLB playoffs. Let's talk about some standouts from the past couple of days. Mostly bad. Oh my good, goodness gracious. All right, Scott, you've got some explaining to do, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... This would have been a good week to ignore my sleeper pitchers <laughs> because numbers one and two on the list were Joe Ryan and Alex Cobb. They both pitched here on Thursday. Neither of them pitched well. Joe Ryan allowed six earned runs in four and two-thirds innings to the Tigers, and Alex Cobb allowed five runs in five innings to the Rangers. Now, there are some weeks where there really aren't sleeper pitchers to get excited about. I have to come up with some anyway, but you know, it's just not, I'm, I'm not giving them my full throated endorsement, but I, I was not there with these two. I thought, I thought the way they had pitched recently, certainly the matchups, uh, I didn't think you had much to worry about with them, but they both, they both flopped pretty hard here in this final week. So that sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I will point out if you're worried, like, Oh, Joe Ryan, he's a big phony. And uh, what he had been doing up until now, you know, obviously he was exposed here. You know what the average exit velocity off him by the Tigers was in this start? 79.7 miles per hour. All right. So uh, he gave up a couple home runs, but uh, that's about as low as you ever see 
for average exit velocity under 80. So, you know, that's baseball season. Yeah, I, I did mention, I did proceed with some caution coming into the week on Joe Ryan just because he had had some good matchups. I didn't really understand how his fastball was succeeding, though. He succeeded with it in the minor leagues and, and oh, yeah. to this point in the majors. Just a little bit. Um, yeah, but no, it's a good point that you bring up about the exit velocity. I mean, of course, he gave up the two home runs, but uh, outside of that, it seems like he might have got babbipped a little bit here in this spot. And uh, I will kind of, I will give a shout out. I shouldn't give a shout out to this person because <laughs> they, they yelled at us in our Facebook group. Uh, but a gentleman named G. Skip Cormier. Thanks for the Joe Ryan recommendation. There goes my finals. <laughs> I'm sorry, bud. Um, but if it makes you feel any better, I started Joe Ryan in two of my head-to-head matchups as well, right? So, I mean, we put our money where our mouths are. We, we tell people, or at least I do, um, the advice that we give out. Yeah, I, I didn't start Joe Ryan anywhere, Frank. What are you talking about? Oh, wow. Pro- probably because somebody picked him up before I did. I, I right. don't think it was an option for me. Yeah, but basically, my point is, like, whatever we tell people to do, Scott, it's what I do myself. So, if something goes south that we recommended more often than not it's going south in my lineup as well so i will just uh point that out and uh let everyone know that um full transparency that that's what's happening here and i was going to debut the segment a little bit later on and these two names were actually on that list alex cobb and joe ryan and it was in honor of the new sopranos movie that's coming out on friday the many saints of newark and i called the segment what are you doing and basically, it was just big name pitchers slash sleeper pitchers that let us down this week. And uh, <laughs> of course, Joe Ryan and Alex Cobb were on that list. But a few other notables here. Garrett Cole got crushed on Wednesday, gave up five runs over six innings pitched, 10 hard hit balls. He gave up two home runs in five starts since his 15 strikeout game. He's got a 6.15 ERA and a 1.59 whip. So it seems like we've had a few of these stretches this year where Garrett Cole just kind of melts down and he loses it. And I think that's probably a result of, of sticky substances. For the most part, he's still been pretty good, but yeah, not, not mean, as good as we're used to. In the second half, his ERA is over four. His whip is yep. over one, two. So the strikeout, I think it's like 12 per nine or something, 12K per nine. So, you know, it's it's not like he's gone back to Garrett Cole of the Pirates or anything like that. Um, who really wasn't a big strikeout guy back in those days. And uh, I still have him as my number two starting pitcher. I guess number one, if if there's reason to move Jacob DeGrom behind him. But I, I think, given that there is a level of concern there, even for my number two starting pitcher, that, that goes to show you why I'm not so keen on drafting pitchers in the first round next year. Well, one of those other pitchers that is in the running for the second starting pitcher off the board is Max Scherzer, who also got crushed in his start this week mm. up against the Padres. Five and a third, 11 hits, six runs. Five of those were earned. He gave up 14 hard hit balls in that game, including two home runs. He's allowed uh, 10 earned runs over his last two starts. Of course, his previous one before this was in Coors Field. So we give Max Scherzer a pass for that one. But uh, the Dodgers broadcast on Thursday put up a graphic for the NL Cy Young race. And I know we talked about this recently. And we said that we would still give it to Scherzer. But, I mean, I, I think it's even closer than we thought, right? Like, Bueller, Burns, Scherzer, Julio Arias, Zach Wheeler, all having fantastic seasons in the National League. So, it's a close race. I think it is a close race for the uh, National League Cy Young. And then, potentially, our AL Cy Young winner, he got crushed on Thursday. Robbie Ray, going up against the Yankees. Five and a third, four hits, five runs. He gave up four home runs, and uh, he ends his season with a 2.84 ERA, 104 whip, league-leading, 248 strikeouts, and the tightest pants that you have ever seen on a human being. So, any concern here to end the year, Scott Scherzer and, and Rob, Robbie Ray? No. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Um that's baseball season. Yeah, no, I mean, look, this could happen in the middle of the year and we wouldn't really bat an eye at it, right? It's just like a pitcher having a bad start. It just so happens that, you know, these these pitchers and these teams in particular are under a microscope because they're uh, dueling it out for wild card spots. So obviously, Yeah, I, I will mention something we haven't really talked about much with Robbie Ray is like it, the fly ball rate for him. Pretty extreme, pretty extreme. It's It's... It's a little surprising his home run rate isn't worse than it is, uh, considering. And I, I pointed out because he gave up four home runs in the start on Thursday. 
But at the same time, his XFIP, which accounts for fly balls rather than home runs, so you know theoretical home runs as opposed to actual home runs, uh, the XFIP I think is still around three thirty, which is still a really good XFIP. So yeah, you know, I he's going to be an interesting one next year. Uh, I I have him. I, I mentioned on the previous podcast that he's he he's kind of like a dividing line for me in the starting pitcher rankings or at least what I imagine them to be this early on where you know the first and second round types you got like obviously Cole and Scherzer but also Brandon Woodruff and and Zach Wheeler and then after Wheeler it's like Robbie Ray a little later and then you get to like the Lucas Giolitos Sandy Alcantara uh, Kevin Gossman, Julio Urias. I think that group's a little further back from Robbie Ray. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like third round Robbie Ray, fourth round for those other guys. Mm. But, you know, we got plenty of time to figure that out. out obviously, that's just, that's just kind of where I see Robbie Ray. Is kind of in that purgatory between the first and second tier at starting pitcher. Yeah, I think that will be be a consensus. I think that he'll probably settle in somewhere around that range. And look, it's October 1st. I'm not going to cross anybody off my list for next year. And this isn't anything against Robbie Ray. He's had an awesome year. And it's it's really cool to see him finally to put it all together. But just general draft philosophy, not drafting players coming off of career years, especially when in the past their floor has been as low as Robbie Ray's. I don't think that I will personally be investing a third or fourth round pick in Robbie Ray next season. Um, but again, it, a lot can change before next year. Oh my goodness gracious, for me, I wanted to bring up two pitchers as well. Uh, and, and ones that... <laughs> I don't really know what to make of this, so uh, I want to get your opinion, Scotty. Carl Sordan made his final start on Wednesday. He went five shutout. He had four strikeouts against the Cincinnati Reds. We know the velocity has been down for Carl Sordan, but it was like really down. Like, way more down than we've ever seen this season. He averaged 90.9 miles per hour on his fastball in this start compared to 95.4 on the entire season. So I know he's going through, like, some shoulder stuff right now. Set to hit unrestricted free agency. I think that this is going to scare a lot of teams off of potentially paying Carlos Rodon. I don't know what he's going to get. Maybe he gets, like, a one-year prove-it offer somewhere. Uh, I want him to get paid. Uh, you know, I, I want every player to get paid, but I, I really don't know how this is going to affect his uh, his offseason status. And then Shane Bieber is the other one. So I'll tie these in together, Scott, and you could talk about both. Bieber uh, at the Kansas City Royals, he goes three innings, he gives up one run, only has one strikeout, whatever, uh, three swinging strikes on 50 pitches. All five of his pitches were down at least 1.5 miles per hour. And his spin rates, listen to this, fastball down 145 RPM, slider down 210, his knuckle curve was down 553 RPM. Now, Bieber got hurt back in June, right around when the crackdown on foreign substances was about to happen. I think he actually got hurt right before they started doing the checks on, on all pitchers. So obviously, like he's coming back from a shoulder injury, uh, and it's there's kind of like this chicken or the egg thing where if his velo is down, then that means his spin rates are down. I think it might work the other way too. I, I really don't know, but... This is scary. <laughs> this is pretty scary, Scott. So, Carlos Rodon and Shane Bieber, what do you think? Ooh. All right, well, let's work backwards. Let's start with Shane Bieber. Already? I had a feeling if he came back before the end of the season, it wouldn't really... All, all he could do is lower his stock for 2022. If he was awesome, it wouldn't make a difference. But if he had any... Uh, if there were any causes for concern, that it might scare some people away. Now, personally, I don't make much of it. Obviously, it was a long layoff, a hurried buildup uh, to get back. And um, the spin rate specifically, what pitcher has experienced a drastic drop in spin rate right now because of the, the banned substance thing? Like there were a bunch right away, but who still is? They all seem to have figured it out, right? Yeah. I mean, Garrett Cole's become a little less consistent. We're kind of attributing it to that, but it's not like his spin rates are still lagging, you know? I, no, I don't know how they figured it out. 
<laughs> that's, well, that's I, something for somebody else to look into. I will throw this out. Nick Pollock at PitcherList on Twitter. He's we're actually on the same softball team together, and we were talking about this. And he <laughs> he said that he thinks that pitchers have kind of learned to pitch with rosin more. So we know that you know uh, the rosin and sweat is something that they were cracking down on. But I guess learning how to pitch with rosin again and, and using it to your advantage, like it, it could explain some of it. So that was his theory. Yeah. I'll throw it out there. So. Because everybody's spin rate more or less corrected itself, I think in time we can expect Shane Bieber's too as well. Like I don't see how he would be the one guy, you know, who's impacted by this long term. That just seems unlikely to me. Um, and like I said, I don't really worry about the velocity. So I have him in the first tier among starting pitchers for next year, actually just ahead of Zach Wheeler, who I mentioned was the last in that tier. I have Shane Bieber as like a second round pick. And uh, I, I don't think I'm going to move off that unless we hear some discouraging reports this offseason. Now, Carlos Rodon is the the more difficult one because the White Sox are being so vague and Rodon himself is being so vague. And we really just don't have a good idea of what's going on with him. Obviously, the velocity is way down. And that's scary. Uh, but what makes it all the more confusing is that his production has been just fine while all this has been going on. He's been, uh, let's see, where are the numbers? So in, in four September starts, Carlos Rodon had a two ERA, a .89 whip, and 11 Ks per nine. <laughs> Wasn't going that deep into games, but still, he was doing fine with it. And and there was some fluctuation in his velocity over the course of this season when he more or less pitched great. So will teams be scared off by this? I guess we'll see. It's certainly a possibility. I suspect if they're going in to sign Carlos Rodon, they're going to know a heck of a lot more about what's going on with him than we will. And so I kind of feel like we should follow their cue. If some team offers them a four-year deal for big money, Maybe we shouldn't be that worried. If he gets a one-year prove-it offer, uh, you know, maybe we should. Yeah, and he'll need to pass a physical to go to whatever team he signs with. Even if he resigns with the White Sox, he's going to have to pass a physical. So that could be very telling also for uh, Carlos Rodon. Before we hit the news and notes, just want to let everyone know that on Saturday, the SEC on CBS features an outstanding top 20 matchup between 12th ranked Ole Miss and number one Alabama. The day begins with State Farm Drive to Atlanta at 2.30 Eastern and then catch you up on the action around the country on State Farm College Football today leading up to kickoff at 3.30. Saturday afternoon, the SEC is on CBS. Some news and notes, DJ LeMahieu left Thursday's game early with right hip soreness. Hugh Darvish was placed in the IL with a hip impingement ending his season. I saw a bunch of names get thrown on the IL at this point in the season. What? What's the point of that? I, I just I couldn't figure it out. I'm sure like there's some weird technical reasoning for it. I just well, don't just, know why. Just to get a new player on the roster. They didn't have to in past Septembers because the, the only player you could call up for a 50 for a 10-day IL stint is somebody on the 40-man roster, and those right. guys are all eligible to go on the roster in September anyway. So you, you only saw 60-day IL moves in the past. 60-day IL, you get a new man on the 40-man roster. Right. You can then go on your active roster. So um, you know now that's not the case anymore in September. Rosters are only expanded to 28 rather than 40. So that's why. <laughs> That makes sense. That that is honestly a a very logical uh, reason why. Marcus Semien hit his 44th home run of the season on Wednesday, breaking the record for most home runs hit by a second baseman in a single season. So we've now broken the record for two different positions this year, second base and catcher. Of course, Salvador Perez played a bunch of his games at designated hitter this year, but primarily he was a catcher this year. Uh, So pretty, pretty cool stuff there for both Marcus Semien and Salvador Perez. Zach Greinke allowed one hit and struck out two across two scoreless innings Thursday for Triple A Sugarland, which remains one of my favorite Triple A team names. Nolan Arenado announced Wednesday that he won't exercise his opt-out clause after the season and will remain with the Cardinals for 2022. Scott, have uh, have you grown to like Nolan Arenado any more since we last spoke about him? No, <laughs> no, he's he's a low OBP power guy. That's that's just who he is now that he's outside of Colorado. And that made sense. I mean, that was kind of what we feared he would become. I don't think any of us were uh, 
predicting like a total collapse or anything. I think he's, I think he's fine as like the third or fourth hitter on your roster. Thinking like a twelve-team context, but um, you know, obviously in Colorado, he was the hitter you built your team around, and that's that's clearly not the case anymore. And it looks like we're probably going to have to figure that out for Trevor Story heading into next year too, because all indications are that he's not going to resign in Colorado. So, uh, will be fun to to figure out. Uh, Trevor Story's outlook on whatever team he ends up with. Wander Franco's on-base streak ended at 43 games and ends in a tie with Frank Robinson for the longest streak by a player under 21 years old. Shohei Otani will not make another uh, start as a pitcher this year. Edward Cabrera was removed from Thursday's game against the Mets with a blister on his right middle finger. And we really, I know a lot of prospects have struggled this year, but like we haven't seen anything from Cabrera to really give us hope, it's a very small sample size. So I think in the long run, hopefully he's he's all right. Uh, they've done a really good de- job developing pitching with the Marlins, but mm-hmm. yeah, we've really we've seen nothing from Edward. I mean, Cabrera. frankly, this was the best we've seen from him. He, he didn't. I mean, he still had two walks and three innings, but we've seen worse control from him. Yeah, and uh, he gave up some home runs early. I, I like that he got eleven whiffs on fifty six pitches because he wasn't even doing a very good job of missing bats at the beginning. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be a trendy sleeper next year or anything, Edward Cabrera, but certainly he has the pedigree for you to take a late-round flyer on him if he's in the mix for a rotation spot, and I suspect he will be. Jesus Sanchez left early on Thursday with right hamstring tightness. The Marlins hope to start Pablo Lopez in Sunday's season finale against the Phillies. Luke Voigt landed on the IL with left knee inflammation. Daniel Lynch went to the IL with a right hand contusion. Nico Horner went to the IL with general soreness. Chris Paddock received an injection in his... What are you laughing at over there, Scott? I just... <laughs> I don't know. Somehow I got it in my head years ago that general soreness sounds like a, a person, you know, <laughs> a military officer. So yeah, when people say it in certain ways, it just, it just puts a funny image in my head. Like he went on the aisle with general soreness. Like yeah. Like general soreness hands and yeah. Was the one driving him to the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Chris Paddock received an injection in his right elbow earlier this week and is expected to make a full recovery from a slight UCL sprain in six to eight weeks. And I think this is a good reminder. Obviously, it seems like he's pitched through some kind of injury, uh, at least this year. I don't know about last year. But how quickly things can change from a dynasty perspective for starting pitchers. Because Chris Paddock, the year he first came up, we were talking about him as like a top 10. I wasn't on the podcast back then, but I remember the industry in general talking about Chris Paddock as like, a top 10 starting pitcher for years to come. And everyone was so excited about him. And he was basically living up to all of his hype. And uh, he's fallen a long, long way since then. So I think it's just a reminder on uh, pitching in Dynasty Leagues. Adam Wainwright will start the National League wildcard game on Wednesday. And deservedly so. It'll be a fun game, regardless of who he faces between the Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. I had one prospect update here. I wanted to talk about Ronzi Contreras' debut he was going up against the Cubs. He went three shutout. He gave up three hits, one walk. He had four strikeouts, six swinging strikes on 46 pitches. That is a 13% swinging strike rate. He averaged 96.3 miles per hour on his fastball. And he basically threw three pitches, 63% fastball, 24% slider, 11% curve, and he threw a changeup 2% of the time. What did you think of his debut? I mean, I thought it was great. Obviously not great for fantasy purposes because it lasted only three innings, right? Uh, But I thought he looked really good. And what stood out the most for me for Ruanzi Ruanzi Contreras, the spin rate on his fastball, 2,467 RPM. That would be like league leader type stuff on that fastball. So, yeah, definitely... Definitely interesting. Definitely somebody who I hope we see competing for a rotation spot next spring. All right. Potential uh, late round flyer here with uh, Rowan Z. Contreras for next season. And speaking of prospects, I did want to talk a little bit about this article that RJ Anderson wrote on the MLB side over at CBSSports.com. And you can go read it right now. He wrote, he gave out 10 awards for uh, 2021 minor leaguers. And starting with 
Adley Rutschman, who was his hitter of the year. Obviously, there were a lot of hitters that you could throw in this conversation. Bobby Witt is another one. But I think he was looking overall at like the strikeout-to-walk ratio. 83 strikeouts to 76 walks, near one-to-one ratio. That's awesome to see from a former top pick in the MLB draft in Adley Rutschman. And he finished with a 283 batting average, 23 home runs. Scott, when do you think we see Adley Rutschman next year? I think pretty early. And I don't know how much incentive the Royals, the Orioles will have to call him up um, that early. Uh, you know, we don't expect the Orioles to be good next year, obviously. But he's going to force the issue. And as a former number one overall pick, um, you know, that the banging gets even louder <laughs> when when that guy is uh, is knocking on the door. And, you know, at some point they need to start they need to start making some headway. So I think it'll be pretty early. And in fact, in putting, I've started the ranking process for 2022 already. I'm going position by position, publishing my top 20 complete with my rationale for each player at, at each position, going top 20 at each position. Catcher's already out on the site. And you'll notice number 20 in my catcher rankings for next year is Adley Rushman, because I think he'll be up early enough that he'll be worth stashing from the get-go, at least in two catcher leagues, obviously. Not many leagues you're going to be draft go, going in your draft as far down as the 20th catcher. But in those leagues where you are, I think Rushman will be somebody worth stashing from the start. His future teammate, Grayson Rodriguez, was given the award for Pitcher of the Year in the minor leagues, and I think it definitely makes sense uh, based on what he did between single-A between high A and double A this year, he had a 2.36 ERA, 161 strikeouts, over 103 innings pitched. He's only made 18 starts at double A, so he hasn't even hit triple A yet. I don't think that we see Grayson Rodriguez next year, Scott, though I wouldn't completely oh, I think we do. I, I wouldn't completely rule it out, but yeah. Yeah, I think we do. All right. I think if we see Rushman next year, we see and we will see Rushman next year, barring yeah. an injury. I, I think Rodriguez will come later potentially several months later than Rushman. But um, yeah, he's he's arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball. At this point, I would inch Shane Boz ahead of him because Boz has already shown us he's capable against major league lineups. But Grayson Rodriguez is right there, and he has made like incremental improvement the past few years. Um, really has a strong secondary arsenal now to go along with a great fastball. And very exciting prospect for sure. All right. The biggest riser on the hitter side is Anthony Volpe with the New York Yankees, who has only played at single A and high A ball. So this is more so if you have him in Dynasty, you should feel really good about Volpe. I don't think we see him uh, for a while, at least not with the Yankees. Maybe he gets traded away somewhere else. Uh, But he finishes his season 294. Actually, yeah, his season's already over. 294 batting average, 27 homers, 33 steals. And I know that he is someone that you've talked about in the past. Yeah, I love Anthony Volpe. I, I think it's possible he's a top 10 prospect going into next year, depending on what publication you look at just does everything well 423 on base percentage in addition to the power and the speed and uh mastered high class a is a 20 year old yeah he's still 20 he won't be 21 until april so he's uh he's getting it done as one of the youngest players at his level and uh, uh you know if he if he begins next year at double a I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility he could get called off, called up if he makes quick work of that, moves up to AAA. The Yankees might have a hard time slowing him down, and obviously we expect them to be in contention, and things are kind of murky for them at shortstop right now. Yeah, so, uh, and they have, we'll another, they have another prospect in Oswald Peraza who had an awesome year in the minors too, so it's, yeah. it's a good problem to have for them. The one thing I'll point out about the Yankees, obviously watching them for, for years, for decades, is... Uh, they're usually not very aggressive with their prospects. They gave Glaber Torres a shot, and obviously he he hit the ground running when he first got called up. But in years past, I mean, they've been pretty hesitant with prospects and and throwing them right in. Obviously, they're always competing, so uh, I think well, that they, they has something to yeah, do. Yeah, they with don't it. have to be aggressive with prospects. Yeah. Um, 
typically, but how often have they had a prospect as high end as I think Volpe is? I'm saying maybe top 10, more realistically top 20, but I, I think, you know, it's kind of a fine line at that point. Yeah, I, I guess Glaber was that guy, right? Like he, he was regarded as a top prospect in baseball. So, I mean, to your point, they were aggressive with him, but like Clint Frazier, they kind of just like messed around yeah, with him year after I, year. I don't think he was on the same level. That's true. Top top 100 guy, but not like top 20. Yeah, no, that's fair. They, I mean, they've got a lot of names coming. Like Jason Dominguez is years away. He's super young. And, He's only actually, 18. Actually, Clint Frazier, didn't he come up at 21? He, they, obviously, they sending him back down. He was yeah, on. The, they never really gave him a shot, you know, but yeah, maybe they didn't give their other prospects chances because they just weren't that good. Right. Like we always kind of put this Yankee tax on prospects or not. We, but someone does. Um, but th- they've got a lot of names in the system, man. Like Trey Sweeney was their first round pick and, uh, there's a lot of hype around him. He's years away, but there's him. There's like Austin Wells, who's a catcher, but he could play outfield. So they, they've got some names, uh, Everson Pereira too. Like, not just saying this because whatever Yankee fan, but like listen to prospect uh, podcasts and people are, people are excited about a lot of these Yankee games here. Frazier was 22 when he got called up. He was a couple months from turning 23. So he was a little bit older. All right, let's talk about the biggest riser on the pitcher side. That is Taj Bradley with the Tampa Bay Rays, someone who has pitched at single A and high A ball. He's only 20 years old. So uh, he's still far away, but what do you know? The Tampa Bay Rays have awesome pitching prospects. They do. Yeah, no, it makes sense. He he has been a big riser. His name has uh, been on my radar. I, I don't think I ever ended up addressing him in the prospects report, but, you know, definitely looks like he has good stuff and wouldn't surprise me if he's top 100 guy on some publications. All right, let's quickly run through the rest of these. The biggest surprise, Matt Brash, obviously pitcher with the Seattle Mariners. We spoke about him a lot recently and he was called up, expected to be used out of the bullpen here the past couple of days, uh, the next couple of days for the Seattle Mariners. The biggest disappointment, Jeter Downs, who is a middle infielder for the Red Sox. He came over in the Mookie Betts trade. He's he's had an awful season, Scott. Uh, all around, striking out a lot. And uh, he, he spent most of his year in AAA. The Red Sox are a team that is competing. So uh, they're not going to call this kid up unless he's ready and he can contribute. And, and right now, he does not look anywhere close to that. Yeah, it's... Dreadful year. Dreadful year. Hit under 200. Uh, I believe his strikeout rate was way up as well, and plate discipline was something he showed a lot of in previous years. Is he the biggest disappointment? I mean, Mackenzie Gore might get that nod for me, but Jeter Downs, you know, we haven't talked about him as much and just how much he's uh, how, how, how much he's fallen short of expectations this year. So it's worth bringing up that that's somebody that I'd be tempted to buy low on in a dynasty league just to, to see if it was a total fluke. But it may not have been, you know? Yep. Uh, his comeback players of the year, players, that includes two Royals, catcher MJ Melendez and first baseman Nick Prado, though they do have uh, Vinny Pasquantino, who we've talked about before as well. So the Royals do have uh, a lot of names, specifically, well, they have both hitter and pitcher prospects that are coming, so... Uh, we'll, we'll see if those guys can make an impact as soon as next year. And the last names I wanted to mention, the best debuts for a 2020 draftee. He provided one hitter and one pitcher. Spencer Torkelson with the Tigers and Max Meyer with the Marlins. Do you think we see either or both of those names in 2022? I think we see Torkelson. Uh, not as sure about Meyer, but it's certainly possible. It's just... You know, the innings built up could get him and cost him, especially since we don't expect the Marlins to compete next year. But yeah, I mean, that was the first hitter and the first pitcher drafted in the 2020 class. So I guess they're living up to the billing so far. It's nice when things work out the way that they're supposed to, especially with prospects, because very often that is not the case. Let's take a quick break when we return the final weekend sleepers here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
The final weekend sleepers presented by Leinen Kugels and put on my old Scott White hat. This is not actually a hat that Scott would ever wear, but sleeper hitters to stream this weekend if you're chasing stats in a daily lineup league. I found the teams with the uh, best hitter matchups, in my opinion, this weekend, and that included the Reds, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, Cleveland, the Royals, and the Diamondbacks. They are all uh, facing teams that are bottom 10 in collective ERA this season. So for the Reds, I'll throw some names out there. Eugenio Suarez and Kyle Farmer. For the Red Sox, Enrique Hernandez, though he has struggled mightily in the month of September. Do not look to use Bobby Dahlbeck because they're in the National League facing facing the Washington Nationals. The Blue Hernandez Jays, did just homer Thursday. Yes, he did. Uh, FWIW. For the Blue Jays, they're going up against the Baltimore Orioles and you might remember what the Blue Jays did last time they faced the Orioles. They scored, I think it was 22, 20, 28 runs. Something crazy uh, in just one game. And, and they just scored a bunch of runs that entire weekend. So all of their best players are obviously already on rosters. But uh, Corey Dickerson is a name that I'll throw out there. He's been playing pretty consistently for them. Uh, for Cleveland, Miles Straw, if you need some steals. Bradley Zimmer in a deeper league. For the Royals, Andrew Benintendi. Uh, he got dinged up on, I believe it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, but he was back in the lineup on Thursday. Nicky Lopez is a name we talk about a lot. Hunter Dozier, I think, is one in a deeper league. If you need a catcher, uh, then Dalton Varsho with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And obviously, if you're just looking for teams that are competing and playing for something, the Yankees and Mariners are still uh, playing for wild card positioning, uh, as are the Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants. But uh, I'll throw a few names out there on those teams. Jared Kelnick, Abraham Toro hit a home run on Wednesday. Gio Urshela has been playing better recently. Brett Gardner hit a home run on Thursday. So those were a few names that stood out to me. Uh, Scott, any any that stand out to you here? Maybe that were on your sleeper hitters coming into the week or uh, just anyone else that I mentioned that you like? Well, Enrique Hernandez and um, Kyle Farmer were both on my sleeper hitters coming into the week. As I mentioned, Enrique Hernandez homered. My, my sleeper hitters for this week are doing better than the sleeper <laughs> pitchers. Well, Frankie <laughs> Two Hits did it again. Oh, I mean, Two Hits on Thursday. Oh, we're, um, we're going to get into Frankie in just a little bit because Scott said <laughs> something crazy to me before the podcast that we've got to talk about, so... Yeah, well, it. I think I I may agree with you that it's crazy. That's why I brought it up. But yeah, we'll get into it in a minute. All right, let's do uh, to stream or not to stream earlier. These are going to be some pitchers that we'll look to stream for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Let's look at Friday first. We have Nestor Cortez at home against the Tampa Bay Rays, Tyler McGill at the Atlanta Braves, Elijah Morgan at the Texas Rangers, Eric Lauer at the Dodgers, John Gray at the Diamondbacks, and Willie Peralta at the White Sox. Who do you like there, Scotty? Ooh, McGill got pushed back to the Braves, huh? Mm, don't do it. And Lauer got... No, we knew Lauer was going against the Dodgers. Yep. I don't like anybody, Frank. Mm. If I have to pick somebody, it's probably Nestor Cortez against the Rays, but his last two starts haven't been great, and that's a tough matchup, obviously. That's fair. Um, I think if you're just chasing the matchup, it's risky because I don't think he's a good pitcher, but Elijah Morgan is at Texas and uh, John Gray is at the Diamondbacks. So I know the Diamondbacks are, uh, in general, they're they're pretty cold. They're lineup right now. So I'll throw the name out there. He's not in Coors Field, obviously. For Saturday, we have Shane Boz at the Yankees, Jordan Lyles versus Cleveland, Antonio Senzatella at the Diamondbacks, John Lester versus the Cubs, Josiah Gray versus the Red Sox, and Jesus Lozardo versus the Phillies. And you know, earlier in the week, Scott, I was thinking about you. Because Josiah Gray was cruising in Coors Field. He was pitching really well and then uh, kind of unraveled late in his start there. But for the most part... I think part, he did get a win, though. He looked, he looked pretty good in that start. I um, think he did get a win, and I, I only recommended him for points leagues. So it's a, That's a tally in my favor. Um, yeah, Shane Baz... Shane, Shane Boz, sorry. At the Yankees. Even though it's a tough matchup, tough park, all of that, I feel... Perfectly comfortable starting him. He was my number three sleeper pitcher for this week. So hopefully he does better than numbers one and two did. But yeah, I mean, he just he just looks overpowering. He did it against the Blue Jays lineup. Obviously, last time Marlins lineup, but still, I I would uh I would roll the dice on him at the Yankees. Mm, what about Sensatella at the Diamondbacks? I feel like you yeah, liked Yeah, he was he was in my 10 sleeper pitchers coming into the week. So if you're looking to stream a guy, uh, you know, I'm I'm never thrilled to start Sensatella, but if you're right. I'm speaking to the I'm speaking to the the uh 
streamer spammers out there. <laughs> the, the heavy duty streamers. Streamer spammers. Yeah, look, we, we're getting some crazy questions on Twitter right now, Scott. People are looking for, I mean, even the worst names to pick up in stream. So people are desperate. Uh, let's wrap uh, up. You know, the, the dumbest thing is <laughs> a points league with daily transactions and lineups. It, it's just you're on a treadmill all year, basically, yeah. right? Just picking up and dropping pitchers constantly because in points leagues, obviously, the downside to starting a bad pitcher isn't it, you know it could score you negative, but it's not as bad as in a, in a categories league. So like that just sounds like a miserable setup to me. I feel like you wanted to say rat race there, Scott, and and that's exactly what I was thinking, right? It was it's just a race. Yeah. It's a race to the waiver I, wire. That, it, that was the first term that came to mind, <laughs> but you know, I I wasn't. I was about 90% confident I knew what rat race meant. I didn't want to misuse it. Oh, no. All right. So, well. <laughs> you know, it would be something if, if I was writing, I just Google it real quick to make sure I'm using it right. No, yeah. no, no. I'm not thinking it's an urban dictionary kind of thing. Oh, well, that's the first thing I'm looking at for right now because <laughs> I, I got to make sure. I mean, there's probably something in there because there always is. But yeah, I just, I just was, I didn't want to sound stupid by using the expression incorrectly. So I pivoted to something else. All right, that's fair. Uh, it was also a movie, so let's let's stick with that. It was, yeah, it was kind of kind of a fun movie, kind of obviously a dumb movie, but I, I didn't I don't hate the movie Rat Race. Well, you know, I look if there's a dumb movie out there, I've seen it. So uh, Sunday to stream or not to stream. Jake Woodford versus the Cubs. Tyler Alexander at the White Sox. Tyler Anderson versus the Angels. A gentleman named Reaver San Martin at the Pirates, and Michael Waka at the Yankees. I don't, I don't love this group. <laughs> I don't love it either. Um, it's even worse than the first group that I was balking at. Tyler Anderson against the Angels. You know, San Martin, how do you say the first name? Ray, Ray Vare. Yeah. San Martin. Th- that's, yeah. That's a little we'll Pirates. With. Yeah. Or against the Pirates of the Reds. Yes. Making his second career start. He looked pretty um, good so in his first was, start. That was... That was one of the pictures somebody was asking us about on Twitter. Do I start this guy or Dane Dunning? Oh, well, I guess the guy making his second career start because he's not Dane Dunning. <laughs> and he's going you up know? against the Pirates, so. Right. <laughs> what can go wrong? It's, you know, just yeah. the final day of the season, and, and we're streaming a guy named uh, San Martin, so. Yeah. Uh, proceed with caution uh, on Sunday. So there you have it. Your final weekend sleepers presented by Line and Kugels. And would you believe... It's already cold in New York. It's 57 degrees right now. Like, what is happening? I understand it's October, but it's gone. The warm weather is gone. I miss the summer already, and that's exactly why I'll be grabbing a Lion and Kugel's Summer Shandy this weekend. The smooth blend of beer and refreshing lemonade that hits just right when enjoying a baseball game, and we have a lot of baseball to watch this weekend. A lot of important baseball to watch. And the Summer Shandy isn't all they offer. They also have a Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, but it's only 99 calories. And do not forget about their Lemon Haze IPA. It's a well-balanced hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. So no matter what type of beverage you're craving, Lining Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to Liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com or follow Lining Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all of the delicious beers that they brew. Let's talk about a few strong finishes to the season here, specifically for some hitters. Trevor Story went four for four on Wednesday with a walk and three runs scored. And he is having a pretty big September. 280 batting average, nine homers, two steals, a 915 OPS. The fly ball rate is way up. The ground ball rate is way down. And if you're asking, well, what went wrong this year for Trevor Story? It's exactly that. Career-high 37% ground ball rate. Uh, his BABIP has plummeted this year. I think a, a lot of that can be pointed to the ground balls. But he also just hasn't performed as well at home. 296 with an 880 OPS in Coors Field this year. That's still very good for most people. But for his career, he has a 972 OPS in Coors Field. So when looking into him, that's what stood out to me, Scott. The ground ball rate too high. Uh, didn't perform well in Coors Field. Yep, yeah, I... That does partly explain his struggles. I, I mean, the big issue for Story, you know, I, I'd be happy to write off this year for Story and um, have him as like a second round pick next year, just based on track record, based that he's still a power speed threat, and those are hard to find. Except he's going to be leaving Colorado, we presume. 
<laughs> they didn't see fit to trade him at the deadline, so I guess we can't rule anything out. Maybe they're maybe they're going to offer him a fat three hundred million dollar contract or something. But no, no chance, Scott. They they just <laughs> want that compensatory pick. That is completely. That's exactly it. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, how's he going to fare outside of Colorado? Will we see how it's gone for Nolan Arenado? I have even bigger concerns for. Um, story because Arenado was an exceptional contact hitter and that's not something you can fake at Colorado. Uh, story is not. He's kind of an average contact hitter. So, you know, and then he's not going to get the big bat bit boost that comes with playing at Coors Field. I- I'm, I'm worried about him. I would probably still take him in the fourth or fifth round of a Roto League. Especially the fifth round. You know, I'm I'm still working my way through that. I'm, I'm kind of just have throwing out numbers, round numbers, with only um, you know a half baked idea of how that's going to play out. But that that's kind of what I'm thinking for story at this point. And I'm thinking, you know, don't expect them to help in batting average. Will the power and speed numbers be there? Oh, hopefully, but it's not a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I do wonder if we see some kind of musical chairs with all the shortstops that are free agents this year, where maybe if the Astros miss out on bringing Carlos Correa back, do they bring in someone like Corey Seager or Trevor Story or vice versa? If the Dodgers miss out on bringing back Seager, do they look to sign a Trevor Story or, or Carlos Correa? So there, there's a and lot. The Dodgers already have their contingency plan in Trey Turner. True. Yep. And by the way, Corey Seager's had a huge month, four home runs in the last four games in September. I mean, you look at his you look at his season percentages now, and it's like, oh yeah, looking like an MVP caliber player again. It's all happened at the very end here. Um, you know what, Trevor Story, if he bounces back in, in terms of skill, like we think he possibly will, like this might be a sneak. Who he's been this year might be a sneak peek of who he's going to be next year when he's, you know, not struggling anymore, but that's just what his numbers translate to outside of Coors Field. I, I think if you just assess story on his numbers this year, that's probably a good idea of what you can expect from him outside of Coors Field. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you bring that up. That's exactly what I was thinking. 250, yeah. 20, 20, maybe he's 25 home runs, but you know, maybe if he moves somewhere else where he's not hitting as much power, uh, he runs a little bit more. So that, that could be a possibility uh, as well. Uh, Bo Bichette had a double dong on Wednesday. He's now at 28 home runs. He stole another base on Thursday, so he has 25 steals. Very proud that Scott got him in the first round of his uh, two-round mock draft for next year. Aaron Judge had a double dong on Thursday. He's now up to 39 home runs. And uh, like Stanton, I mean, they're both carrying the Yankees. They are carrying fantasy teams right now as well. Scott, do you think Aaron Judge gets number 40 this weekend? Yeah. I think he does. I think he reaches the 40 milestone, the 40 homer milestone. And he'll be part of an interesting cluster in drafts next year. I, I was wrestling with this group of names in the third, fourth round range next year. Judge, Jordan Alvarez, Matt Olson, who might be playing the weakest position of the three. Uh, I think Paul Goldschmidt is an interesting name to include in that group because he has a little bit of a, a speed element there. I'm not really sure how to sort out those guys yet, yet, but they're all in that like mid-third to mid-fourth round range for me in Roto. Do you have... Well, this person's not going to steal any bases, but do you have Nick Cassianos in that mix too, Scott? He's a little behind them. Okay. It, it, at least, uh, you know, I haven't looked that closely at him yet, but yeah. that's my impression right now is that he's going to be a little behind them. And all indications are that he, I believe he has an opt-out, so he might not be back with Cincinnati. It's obviously a great park to hit in, so keep that in mind as well. Pete Alonzo had a double dong on Thursday. He's now up to 37 home runs, and uh, we, we've referenced that industry mock draft, way too early mock draft that's going on right now, and uh, Pete Alonzo lasted until the ninth round. I, I don't think that that's actually going to happen, but he is having an awesome second half. And if you actually put his second half side by side with Matt Olson's, they're basically the same player. In fact, Pete, uh, Pete Alonso has been a little bit better than Matt Olson in the second half. So if, yeah, if those, well, Matt Olson hasn't been as good in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> if those things swap next year, where coming into this season, I wanted 
Matt Olson at his value because I didn't see a big difference between him and Pete Alonso and Alonso was going two to three rounds earlier. If those things are swapped for next year, then I'm going to have a lot of Pete Alonso. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Francisco Lindor hit a grand slam on Thursday, keeps up this big September. And I've talked about him recently. I, I don't want to overreact too much to just one great month because a lot of everything else has been pretty bad for him this year. And, and obviously dating back to next year, I'm really interested to see where his ADP settles in because Lindor is someone that I could see uh, being in on if he comes at the right value. Last name I wanted to bring up here, Byron Buxton, a double dong on Thursday. His last six games, dude is red hot again. Four homers, three steals, reminding us of that power-speed combination, uh, just getting a ton of hits as well. And he is not a free agent yet. They keep talking about a contract extension. He's arbitration eligible for one more year after this season. And then obviously he would hit unrestricted free agency. So I think they're trying to get that contract extension down. But as of now, he's still under contract with the Minnesota Twins. And uh, he's another one that, that's tough to figure out, Scott, because he just cannot stay healthy. Uh, this was the year where he finally put it all together talent-wise, but just can't stay healthy. Yeah, that's true. That is that is the rub on Byron Buxton. And it's it's nice that he has been able to get it going here in the final week or two because... Um, remember he was, he was slumping pretty badly when he first came off the IL and his, his season long numbers. Cause you know, he, he wasn't healthy for very long before they kind of started creeping into, um, more ordinary, a more ordinary range so that it wasn't clear that he'd be worth putting up with all the injury concerns. Uh, but now they, you know, he's, he's separated himself again statistically. So I think that'll. He's, he's ending the year on the right note to maximize his value for next year. He has played more than 92 games in a season once in his major league career. And that was back in 2017. He played 140 games. I will point out one of the injuries he suffered this year was he got hit on the hand by a pitch and he broke his hand. Like, obviously, that's not his fault. That's just bad luck. But it remains uh, it remains true that. Byron Buxton has not been able to stay healthy. Some leftovers from the past couple days, and we'll start with Wednesday, where Frank Schwindel had, that's right, two more hits, and he actually added a steal. We hopped on here beforehand, before start up the podcast, and Scott goes, what if I told you Frank Schwindel is a top 10 first baseman for next year? I said, Scott, I thought you didn't drink. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still putting together my first base rankings and there may be somebody I'm overlooking and look, I don't think he I, I don't know that he's going to be 10th for me anyway. But first base is looking really <laughs> ugly for next year because there's not going to be, you know, Austin Riley's not going to be eligible, Chris Bryant's not going to be eligible, uh Kyle Schwarber, Eduardo Escobar, they're not going to be eligible. And uh, CJ Crone, we don't know if he's going back to Colorado, so how good is he really? And it all adds up to right now, Frank Schwindel is very much in the mix to be a top 10 first baseman for me. It, other names I could consider there are like Jared Walsh, Josh Bell, uh, Trey Mancini. Ew. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, Jesus Aguilar, Brandon Belt. Yikes. Um, Who are the names that you have ranked ahead of him right now, Scott? If you actually have that, I don't know how, how far you are into the rankings. So one through nine appears pretty good. Okay. One through nine, Vladimir Guerrero, Freddie Freeman, uh, depending on whether it's points or roto, some order of Matt Olson, Paul Goldschmidt, Max Muncy, Pete Alonzo, Jose Abreu, Joey Votto, Jake Cronenworth. That's one through nine. Okay. Yeah, so I, mean, I haven't that, mentioned that, Yuli Gurriel yet, but there's been like no power from Gurriel since uh, I think he has like four home runs in the last four months or maybe four or five home runs, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, because he doesn't strike out much, I'll, I'll have Yuli Gurriel ahead of Schwindel in points leagues. I'm pretty confident. But in Roto Leagues, do I really want to do that? I don't know. Like, you tell me. Um Alex Kirilov, if you want to get creative, maybe he could be the 10th first baseman. Andrew Vaughn isn't going to be eligible there anymore. And he stinks. No. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, obviously it would be an upside play. Right. But um interesting. I mean, look, yeah, those those top base. Those top nine names are, are are pretty good. But yeah, once we uh once we get to the back end there, that's that's pretty rough. Oh, so. somebody in the chat's mentioning Bellinger. 
Oh, you know what? Bert Bellinger's made four appearances at first base this year, so he's not going to be eligible. <laughs> yeah. And and he stinks too. There may be somebody further down like that that I'm missing that's just not very high because I'm going off. I'm working my way down fantasy points. Right. Leaderboard. Um, but uh, Anthony Rizzo, I didn't mention him. That's a possibility. But I, I don't think it's a clear, oh, you got to take Rizzo before no, Schwindel. That guy stinks too. <laughs> yeah. I hit a home run on Thursday. Pretty pretty big home run, I must add. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been pretty pedestrian the past two years. And he's getting up there in age. He's a free agent. We don't know where Anthony Rizzo is going to wind up either. So, all right, first base, uh, the back end there, not done. Uh, not not too hot. Not too hot right now. J.D. Martinez went three for four with his 28th home run on Wednesday. And I will just quickly give you his OPS by month this year. 1175 in April, 801 in May, 788 in June, 806 in July, 787 in August, 866 in September. Kind of sounds to me like J.D. Martinez is a low 800s OPS kind of bat at this point. Max Freed was up against the Phillies. Seven innings, two runs. Only one of those was earned. And he finishes his year with a 3.04 ERA, a 1.09 whip, career best 2.23 walks per nine. Scott, fill in the blank. I want Max Fried as my SP blank next year. I want Max Fried as my three or four. You know, I'd, I'd still want to have a good pitching staff, so I'll say four, but I, I think he'd be fine as a three. All right. Uh, Jorge Polanco, legitimate five-category contributor this year. 271 batting average, hit his 32nd home run, 95 runs scored, 94 RBI, and 11 steals. Shohei Otani added two more steals on Wednesday, 45 homers with 26 steals. Salvador Perez hit his 48th home run. The Dodgers hit six homers on Wednesday, including four in the eighth inning, to take the lead against the Padres. Two for A.J. Pollock, one for Mookie Betts. Max Muncy hit one, Cody Bellinger hit one, and Corey Seager, who we mentioned is red hot, also hit one of those on Wednesday. Moving on to Thursday, Fernando Tatis hit his 42nd home run of the season. I was watching this game. The ball left the ballpark. Not just like, okay, it landed in the stands. It left the park. It was hit out of Dodgers Stadium. 460 seven-foot moonshot for Fernando Tatis. He also has 25 steals. It was a monster day for Rafael Ortega. He went two for four with a home run and two steals. Dylan Carlson had a double dong, has 18 home runs on the season. He's had a good second half, but I dug a little bit deeper. The bat of ball data is pretty uninspiring for uh, Dylan Carlson. So, Oh, I found out a name to round out the top 10 at first base. Oh, I think so. I think I have it right here too. Ryan Mountcastle. <laughs> no, that wasn't going to be it. I don't know if he has 10. Let me see. I don't know if he has enough starts at a uh, uh, first base. He does. Yeah. Oh, all right. Oh, uh, so so he's, in the, he's in this discussion with like the Jared Walshes of the world. But the Mount- name I was going to say, Reese, Hos- Reese Hoskins. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah. I do think, personally, as of now, Ryan Mountcastle, I, I would definitively have ahead of Jared Walsh and Frank Schwindel for me. Okay. Yeah, so uh, maybe I will too. I, I need to look at them more. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brandon Lau hit his 36th home run of the season, and it was a great turnaround for him after an awful start to the year. And then Austin Riley. I'm going to be interested to see, Scott, when you rank your third baseman, how high Austin Riley checks in there because he hit his 33rd homer, and uh, it's truly been a breakout season and then some for Austin Riley. You know what? You know what I'm. Particularly once you start taking out some of these multi-eligible guys, and I know we're coming on the coming up on the clock here, but what we experienced in fantasy this year with with us getting burned at, at hitting in some uh, some cases, like I think we're going to see a lot of what I'm ex- seeing at first base here, where there's really not enough quality options to round out twelve lineups, you know? Because I know shortstop is like that right that's always been the knock on shortstop a lot of studs but it drops off quickly i think third base like i might not be able to get riley in my top eight at third base but at the same time we know third base falls off very quickly as well so that doesn't mean riley's not a high-end option it just means there are the high-end guys around the infield and then there's everybody else yeah and then you'll have the position scarcity argument to to answer there too because it's like 
do you even do you reach for someone like Austin Riley at a position like third base, or do you try and grab a first baseman or a shortstop, one of those quality options before yeah. uh, you miss out on all those names? So that'll be. And, and by the way, I, maybe I will have Riley in my top eight. I was just kind of picking a number off the yeah. top of my head, but uh, that if it's not him who's eighth, it's going to be Bregman, or it's going to be Arenado, or it's going to be Bryant, or somebody like that. You know. Yep. The calls to the pen. A few bullpen updates. Not much going on here. I did want to mention uh, Camilo Duvall, who a lot of people who are are talking about right now in the fantasy industry, and rightfully so. He got a second save of the week, and since he's returned to the Giants bullpen back on September fifth, he's pitched in thirteen games. 12 and a third shutout, five hits, three walks, 16 strikeouts. He's got a 15.8% swinging strike rate. He throws 98 miles per hour, 87 mile per hour slider, gas, straight gas. Uh, some people are asking, do we pick him up and stash him potentially as the closer for next year for the Giants? I don't know about that because Jake McGee is still under contract through 2023. So he, he signed, I believe it was a three-year contract before this year. So he will be with the Giants and... He's been shaky, but they kept going back to him this year. Um, would you look to add Camilo Duvall right now, Scott, in Dynasty Leagues if he were available? It'd have to be pretty deep. I, I could see you know, us touting him as a closer and waiting early next year, but I, I'd be surprised if he overtook McGee as the closer from the start. All right. Kenley Jansen picked up his 37th save on Wednesday the dude has a 2.26 ERA, Scott. And like, we keep waiting for Kenley Jansen to fall off. And it feels like we have these stretches where it looks like it's about to happen. And we get nervous because the Dodgers have a few other pieces in their bullpen that could obviously close. And then you look at the final season numbers and the, he's having an awesome year. So <laughs> will you will you finally uh, not call Kenley Jansen a bust next year? <laughs> <laughs> I probably won't. Unless the Dodgers bring in a true challenger for him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so hard to find a reliever who is that secure in the role and isn't sharing the role in any way. You know, it's getting harder and harder to do that. So those, the ones that do really stand out, even if there are some things to quibble about skill wise. Last name I wanted to mention here for the Texas Rangers, Joe Barlow picked up his 11th save. He's got a 1.55 ERA, 0.83 whip. He throws mid-90s. He has three pitches, but I will caution some people. 11.7% swinging strike rate, a 4.55 XFIP for Joe Barlow. And uh, this, these are some of the things that I'll be looking into. I guess he has a chance to open up as the Rangers closer next year. I don't know. I don't think they're going to be very competitive. It, it obviously depends if they sign somebody, but I'm one of these like... Madman Scott, who does draft and hold drafts throughout the fall, October, November, draft champions over on NFBC. And uh, <laughs> saves are one of the categories. So <laughs> trying to oh, figure gosh. out trying to figure out bullpens in, in October and November is um, it's not yeah. very easy. So <laughs> well, look, I, I don't see why the Rangers would shell out for a free agent reliever who's gonna overtake Barlow. So I I, I think in that context. Barlow is somebody worth investing in. All right. Last thing we'll hit on for the end of the regular season. I mentioned we have a fantasy justice on our last podcast, and let's finish up the week and the year with this. Yeah, yeah. All right, make it a good one, Aaron. Admittedly, I didn't read it beforehand, so I hope it makes sense. We have a keeper league, and the championship week ended yesterday. He actually sent this in on Monday, so it ended last week. The championship winner picked up a bunch of possible keepers for next year this morning, even though the season has ended. This is new to us because usually we play until the end of the baseball season, but for the first time this year, we set it up to end one week early to avoid big-time pitchers resting up for the MLB playoffs during our championship week which I think makes sense. I think that's fine. I was unaware, insert provider, fantasy provider here, that's not named CBS, would even let you pick up players after the championship game is over, but they have some strange setups. Please provide fantasy justice and advise if I should reverse his, quote, off-season moves. Does your league... Okay, so when... Championship week ends, or, or really when lineups lock for the last time, your league's offseason has begun. So if you've never allowed moves in the offseason in the past, I don't I don't think these moves should count. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So normally you look at it like where 
say you played the season out until the final day. Like, let's say two years ago, back in 2019, you played out all the way till the end of September, the final day of the season. Would someone be allowed to make a pickup on a player the day after that? Let's say uh, while a wild card playoff game is going on. Can someone pick up a player then and keep them for the next year? If the answer is no and has always been no, then no. These these moves should not count and you should reverse them. That seems straightforward to me and he may balk at it. He may not like it, but tough. All right. Well, uh, uh, this is actually a pretty pretty good question. I, I could see some other people uh, dealing with something there, but justice has been served. Yeah, yeah. We did it, Scott. We almost went an hour and 15 minutes as well. The <laughs> regular season is in the books. This is my first full season at CBS, Fantasy Baseball Today and, and Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, and it was good. It was a fun one. I mean, obviously, it's a super long season, and experiencing this with football combined is is admittedly pretty tough. But I, I feel good. I think I think we're in a mm-hmm. good spot here, Scotty. Yeah, and we'll still be around twice a week in the off season, right? So we we sure don't, will. Don't tune out, people. We have more fun in the off season. We can play it fast and loose. We can, you know, talk about dumb things. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try More. my I'll try my best to not go an hour. Do. I'll try my best to not go an hour and fifteen minutes in our uh, in our off season podcast. We've got some fun stuff planned for next week as well. Scott's writing an article about season award winners, uh, so we'll we'll talk about some of that. And um, actually, on our Tuesday podcast next week, we're just going to look at league leaders, right, at each category that actually matters and some season trends and compare it to our last regular season which was back in 2019 so uh for scott i am frank thank you all for listening and watching fantasy baseball today all season long we'll be back again on tuesday bye-bye survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.